In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Hello and welcome back to the Dad DeLorean podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and I am here for episode three. So this week, I want to start off with something a little bit different, just a little bit of an exercise, if you will. I want you to think back to when you were a child. Maybe it was sooner rather than later. Some of you may be older. I don't know at this point how far removed from childhood you are, but I want you to think back and just think about the toys that you played with, the things that you grew up doing. You know, for me, it was a lot of time on my bike. I had a red wagon that I used to play with that like I would build stuff around it and I thought that was the coolest thing ever I could drag it behind my bike in ways that would probably make child safety advocates cringe nowadays you know I remember putting baseball cards in the spokes of my bicycle to make it sound like a motor just different things like that. Think about those kinds of experiences as you're kind of coming into today's episode. Because if you're a parent, or even if you're not a parent, if you're somebody who is at some point wanting to be a parent, and just you're going to be raising a child at some point down the road, I want you to think about the types of experiences that you would like to connect with your child over. So, and specifically for me today, I'm going to be talking about the first connection over something like that from my childhood with my son. So, and there's numbers of things that I have connected with Alton and I'm starting to connect with Austin over. The first thing that comes to mind though, like, you know, I connected with him over Legos because Legos is something that I thoroughly enjoyed as a kid. That was the type of thing I had fun with. And getting to connect with him over Star Wars, which is another thing that I grew up around and I really wanted him to be able to share in and he's been able to share in that. But the very first thing that I really felt like I connected with my son over that was something that we kind of had in our shared history was actually of all things, a little tykes basketball hoop. Now, I don't know if you remember as a kid, you know, when they first were coming out with those little Tykes basketball hoops, I remember getting one. It wasn't actually the little Tykes brand. It was actually an off-brand one that was incredibly similar, but I loved it. As a kid, my parents never got me a full-size hoop. I always had to use one of the neighbor kids' hoops when I was growing up, and usually I was very good about having neighbors who were willing to let me play basketball on their hoops. So access to a hoop was never a problem. But when I was still really little and when I was kind of first playing around with basketball, 
it was something where my parents got me one and it was just this off brand, like similar to the little tykes. And I remember the adjustable height on it. It was very, this is a distinct memory for some reason, but the adjustable height on it was this weird rotating lock collar. Like, I don't even know how to describe it compared to what the little tykes ones have now with it's just a thing that pushes into a notch and holds it in there. It was a very different mechanism, but I very distinctly remember how that twisted. And it was the weirdest thing to me as a kid. To me, looking back now, it still seems weird, and maybe they still make that particular mechanism. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But that was the only real basketball hoop that I got for myself as a kid. The crazy thing about me sharing this experience with Alton is it actually came at a time when I got to re-experience Toys R Us. It was what was Alton's first time and would be ultimately one of my last times at Toys R Us. I grew up as a Toys R Us kid. I remember, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. You know, I mean, that was basically like the theme song of our generation at this point. So I remember Jeffrey's toy book and going through and circling everything that I wanted out of it and then being super disappointed that my parents weren't super rich and buying every single thing that I actually, you know, circled because you know, we're kids, we don't fully understand the concept of money. And yeah, that costs money. So that was one of those things that I very distinctly remember. My first job actually out of high school was a seasonal gig that was at Toys R Us the year that the Xbox and GameCube came out. And somehow that year, despite the fact that I was a temporary employee, I managed to dodge both release dates. And I very distinctly remember on the release date for the GameCube driving past the store and there was a line going around the front of the store and around the back. And I knew we only had, I think it was like uh, 112 units, if that, like it was some weird number. And like you, everybody showed up thinking they were just going to charge into the store and be able to grab one off the shelf. And that was never the case, but that's a completely random aside from it. I had a lot of experience with Toys R Us before I had kids. And so looking back on it, that was one of the things that was interesting is Alton got to experience Toys R Us for the first time when they were going out of business. And it was one of those things where Amanda and I decided to just go and see what we could score on clearance on that trip. Alton was probably about a year and a half old. He wasn't speaking a very much. He'd make noises at us, but it wasn't anything that we fully understood. Usually he's toddling around with a binky in his mouth, you know, just kind of how you'd expect an 18 month old to look. Well, he goes around the store with us. It's still pretty early in the liquidation process. There weren't any really great deals on it. Legos were maybe a whopping 5% off. And despite the fact that the signs out by the highway said that it was up to 30% off, I honestly don't remember anything in that store being over 10% off on that trip. We're looking around. Nothing interested us. However, we wandered into the sports section where they kept the things like the sports balls and the kids' goals and the hoops. And I have this very distinct memory of Alton, and he saw the little tyke's hoop, and he walked straight up to it and hugged the box. And it was one of those just moments where, as a parent, I'm standing there going... Oh my gosh, that's adorable. You know, and every parent, I think, thinks that their child is the cutest child out there. If there are any parents out there that don't believe that, don't tell me. Let me live with that delusion. But I personally, I think that my kids are the cutest ever. 
I know there are other people with cute kids. They would probably think the same. And I'm not going to get in a fight with anybody over that. But the moment that Alton saw that hoop, he doesn't know what it's for. He, it, But he walked up and hugs this box that's bigger than he is. And I remember looking at Amanda and going... We need to buy that today. Just the sight of our firstborn with his binky in his mouth, toddling up to a basketball hoop and hugging it like it was some old friend was just too much for my willpower to stand. It was maybe 10% off. It wasn't a huge amount of money off, but really at that point, I didn't care. The hoop was something that he wanted. And for me, it was something where I had that similar memory from my childhood of playing with something like that. And so I wanted him to have that experience. So... We picked it up, weaved the store, we went home, Alton went down for his nap, and I immediately went to the work on putting it together. I got a bag of play sand at Ace Hardware, I went to put everything together, dumped all of the sand in it, got all the excess sand that I spilled off of it, put the post on, put the backboard together, pumped up the ball, got everything assembled, and put it into our front room. I still remember to this day Amanda bringing down this bleary-eyed toddler after he'd woken up from his nap and him just staring at the hoop wide-eyed as I handed him the ball. And he immediately takes the ball and goes up and dunks it and got this just sheer joy out of it. And it was really a fantastically heartwarming moment to kind of get that time where you get to watch your child doing something that you remember doing as a child and getting to just play around and have fun with it. So that was kind of my really first experience with Alton getting to do something that I remember doing as a kid. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. I want to hear from you. If you have an experience like this, where you got to experience something with your child for the second time, really, as an adult, watching them do something that you got to do when you were a kid, I want to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Instagram at the Dad DeLorean Podcast. You can reach out to us via email, the Dad DeLorean Podcast at gmail.com. There's our website, thedaddelorean.net. You can also reach out to us on our Facebook page at Dad DeLorean. There are many different routes you can do that. You can even reach out if you go to our website. There is actually a spot where you can go on there and you can actually record a message and it will come to us directly. We can share it on the we can share it on the show with you. So that is kind of the gamut of everything that we have available to us. It's a very high tech world we're living in these days. You know what I'm saying? Like I've grown up around this tech, so it's not like this is any shock to me, but. I am super excited to be able to have all of these different methods for you to reach out to us. So in any case, we are going to head for a quick break. We will come back, discuss what we watched this week, and then coming back around to the question of what you are thankful for this week. We're doing it a little bit different because we're coming out of Thanksgiving week. I want to take time to just acknowledge things that I'm thankful for myself and just give you the opportunity to let us know what you're thankful for. So we will be right back after this. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and and there's a there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. 
allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. And we are back. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Dad DeLorean podcast. So this week, what have we watched? Well, that is always kind of my fun for the week because I get to be a completely big nerd over things. So first of all, I want to talk about the Star Wars prequels. I will tell you, it is very interesting to me having gone back and watched those because I remember very distinctly, George Lucas intended for the prequels to be, quote, for the kids. And I kind of mentioned this a little bit last week, but I'm going to just touch on it again this week. George Lucas put a lot of really mature themes in there that are going to go completely over kids' heads. And it's definitely one of those things you look at it like trade disputes and the Senate and all of that. And it's not that our kids shouldn't be educated on how our government works. Like, don't get me wrong on that. I'm not saying that kids shouldn't know how it works, but for a kid to take in all of this information and part of it, I think is just the way that it was written, which again, as I mentioned last week, Lawrence Kasdan was not there to help put polish on the scripts And so you pretty much got George at his finest, which George at his finest was a lot of stuff that is either really, uh, I don't even know how to put that. I mean, I don't like sand. It's coarse. Like, do I even need to give you a description of it? Like, I hate you. Like, there's so much about that movie that really needed an extra polish and I think Lawrence Kasdan would have done a fantastic job. Lawrence Kasdan really was what gave me faith in the sequel trilogy because he was involved with The Force Awakens and that I think gave it a really good Star Wars feel. Uh, there were its flaws in the prequel or the post Star Wars movies. I get that, but ultimately I felt like they made a good valiant attempt. Back to the prequels, though. It was something where it was a lot of heady topics. Alton really was kind of losing interest a lot quicker than he did in the original trilogy. So it was very interesting. Like, he watched most of Revenge of the Sith from the dining room while doing something else. Because I don't think he really necessarily cared that much for it. He... Asked afterwards, asked which Star Wars movie was his favorite. His favorite is still Empire Strikes Back because of the walkers. So that just tells you where my kid is at. And I mean, there were things that he loves. He really enjoys the clone troopers and he enjoys the battle droids. He was super excited to see General Grievous, who was, quote, his favorite. But other than that, like the prequels really did not speak to my four-year-old and i mean granted they're definitely more above a four-year-old's i think intelligence level but it's still something where 
for something that was supposed to be for the kids, there is a lot there that the kid is not going to get and isn't going to have any interest in. And I mean, that's, that is what it is. So in addition to that, we watched some more of Clone Wars. Clone Wars, we just this week finished episode four, not episode four, I'm sorry, season four. And the one that I think I'm going to talk about the most here is going to be the Obi-Wan undercover arc. It was a very interesting thing trying to explain to a four-year-old why Obi-Wan Kenobi was hiding out as this other guy and why he was trying to infiltrate this thing to prevent the capture of Emperor Palpatine. Like, it was – actually, it wasn't Emperor at that point. It's Senator Palpatine. Not, uh, Chancellor Palpatine, whatever his title was. Regardless, there was the plot to kidnap him, and – Obi-Wan was out to stop it by posing undercover as the man who, quote-unquote, killed Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it was interesting just trying to explain that to Alton. It was a really great story arc where you kind of get to see Anakin's anger poking out more. And you can kind of also see where, by the time he gets to Revenge of the Sith, where his mistrust of the council stemmed from it. It wasn't just the fact that he was asked to betray the chancellor by spying on him like that was what we get in the movie but you get a lot more backstory when you find out that during this particular story arc obi-wan fakes his own death so that he can go undercover as the man who killed him and anakin and ahsoka are not told they are not brought into the loop it is a very tight-knit group that really just involves the council knowing about it to avoid any spies from catching it. And so Anakin is rightfully ticked when he finds out after he's been hunting this guy for a while that it's actually Obi-Wan undercover and that Obi-Wan's faked his death and there's so much for the Council to explain. And so it kind of plants the seeds of the mistrust for the Jedi Council there. It was a very fascinating story arc Really enjoyed kind of seeing Obi-Wan put in a position where he was no longer a Jedi Knight, as it were. He's posing as this bounty hunter, and he's trying to act in a way that is completely incongruent with what the Jedi Council stands for. So, it's not the first time, I think, that we really hear about the Jedi Council taking things to an extent that maybe they shouldn't have. I think about—I haven't read the book yet, but I read a kind of synopsis of a book— about um, oh Quinlan Voss and his story arc and how he was actually sent with her to partner with Asajj Ventress to try to kill Count Dooku and kind of basically the Jedi Council towing that line where they were trying to conduct an assassination, which again is outside of really what the uh, Jedi Order stands for. But it was definitely... You know, one of those things that I think war made things complicated in the Galactic Republic at that time. So, all right. Now on to, I think, what's going to be the biggest thing for this week. Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5. If you've not watched it, if you've not watched anything, obviously, by this point, I've spoiled a lot. I apologize. I'm hoping you've seen or at least didn't have any interest in seeing the last couple of things I've discussed. If you're waiting to watch Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5. This is your spoiler warning. I will be talking about this in a really spoiler-heavy fashion because it was a lot to take in. And here we go. 
this is literally, I think, the episode that everyone's been waiting for because you finally get the big Ahsoka reveal. And honestly, I expected them to drag it on even further because, I mean, we're five episodes deep in this season and we had kind of known that Ahsoka was coming, but we didn't actually get to see her yet. So when I was like, episode five is the Ahsoka episode, okay, they'll probably work her in halfway through the episode. And the episode starts off with Ahsoka. Like, that's the first thing that you see is her conducting a one-woman assault on a base that is being run by this administrator a very mysterious administrator, her hired muscle, she's got her soldiers. They don't appear to be imperial, although they could be, it just their uniforms aren't something that's recognizable, like a stormtrooper or a death trooper, or anything like that. So you start off, the episode is very much Kurosawa-inspired. Filoni does an incredible job of ex- just evoking that sense of setting similar to how the original trilogy did when George Lucas was using some of Kurosawa's ideas on cinematography and story. It really, for me, harkened back to the season two episode of Clone Wars about the bounty hunters, which was kind of a riff on the seven samurai and basically the group that basically inspired the magnificent seven as a, Western film, but basically this group of mercenaries, and in this case there were some Jedi, protecting a crop from a group of pirates, and it was a very interesting episode. The way that they shot it was just beautiful. I really enjoyed it. You got to see some moments with Ahsoka that you'd seen in the animated series, and that, like, they looked really cool. There is one very specific frame where Ahsoka unveils her lightsabers in the same fashion that she did in her duel with Vader, where it almost looks like a samurai drawing their sword from a sheath. And so it was a very visually cool episode. As huge of a reveal as Ahsoka being in live action was... There was another way that they managed to absolutely blow my mind and kind of make me freak out. Like, And they've done a phenomenal job of making me geek out throughout this season. And so there's been reveals, you know, there was the Boba Fett reveal, there was Bo-Katan coming to light, there was the... Oh. Oh. There's just been so many of them, I'm like forgetting them now, but... You get to this episode, and you don't know what Ahsoka's mission is on this particular planet. And she gets the time where she gets to connect with Baby Yoda, and you get to learn more about him. Like, you learn his name is Grogu, which I'm not calling him that, guys. I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. This kid is going to be Baby Yoda for as long as I can manage to, because I... Just, I can't call him that. It just doesn't work. But regardless, you don't know what Ahsoka's mission is on Corvus. And she's very clearly wanting something from this administrator. And it sets up this duel at the end where basically Ahsoka is fighting this administrator who has a pure Beskar staff and winds up disarming her, putting her lightsaber to her throat. And then she utters the word, where is your master? Where is Thrawn? 
you guys, I have been wanting to see Thrawn on a screen and like not talking like the animated version of Thrawn. Like I've been wanting to see this character on screen since I read Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy. So to have Ahsoka Tano say those words in a live action Star Wars show at this point, is Thrawn even going to be addressed in the Mandalorian series? I don't know. It, to me, almost feels like they might be setting up an Ahsoka TV series, which wouldn't be shocking to me because you're not pulling a Rosario Dawson in and just putting her in a side role for one episode. Like, if she doesn't appear for the rest of the season, the entire reason they cast her is because they're planning to use her to front a series later for Ahsoka. And if it's exploring Ahsoka and Sabine after the events of Rebels going to try to find Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn after they disappear in space, which, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the end of Rebels, I'm sorry I just ruined it for you. Anyways, so Thrawn, like... For those of you who have been living under a rock, may not have any idea what the significance of that is. Grand Admiral Thrawn was one of the Emperor's highest-ranking admirals in his navy. He was unusual in that when you look through the Empire, they are very much a human-driven like military machine. You don't see aliens fighting for the Empire. And that was, I'm sure, very deliberate on George Lucas's part to kind of evoke the idea of the space Nazi, effectively. But what's interesting with Grand Admiral Thrawn is he is a blue-skinned Chiss. Chiss are from a region outside of the Galactic Empire in the Unknown Regions, and they're a very different kind of society. And it's something that I will... I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it except to say Timothy Zahn Tim, I'm not going to go into a lot of it except to say that Timothy Zahn does a fantastic job of outlining the background story of Thrawn coming into the empire and also kind of discussing his background. I just finished reading not that long ago the newest Thrawn book, which is titled Thrawn Ascendancy. And it's a prequel to the events of him coming over to the Empire. The the Chiss are basically a very interestingly ruling family-led empire. And there's different ruling families. It's all very, I think, Game of Thrones. I've never read Game of Thrones, never seen the HBO series, but it's very much, from what I understand of that, kind of like there's different familial intrigue and all of that going on and trying to make sure that your family is the most prominent of the group. And so Thrawn as a, is a master of tactics and Zahn has always done a fantastic job of really laying that out and he's thinking multiple steps ahead he understands his opponents through their artwork and just different things like that like he's a very unique character that I really hope does get screen time in live action and who they really do justice to because he was quite frankly, my favorite Imperial character that I ever really got the chance to study in terms of in the books, in the 
animated series like when they brought him in on rebels that was one of those things that absolutely blew me away because the character was someone that i had wanted to know more about and you really only got the three books when i was a kid that came out that were about him and so to be in a position now where they've introduced him on the animated series they've written four books and i believe there's at least two more coming for the new thrawn trilogy like he's really somebody that we've gotten to see a lot more and Disney has kind of brought him to the forefront. Now, all of this to say like Thrawn reveal that I don't know what they're going to do with it. I want to find out. I want them to do something cool with it because that is just, that's me. That is a character that I have gotten the chance to really see over the years. And I'm really excited that he's kind of making his way to the forefront here. But the bottom line on this episode is Mando gets the baby Yoda to Ahsoka and Ahsoka tests him and very quickly figures out that he has formed an attachment to Mando and therefore he might be at risk of the dark side. And she basically says, I can't train him. What she does wind up doing, though, however, is she tells Mando of another way that he might be able to find a Jedi to train the child. And that is by going to the Jedi Temple on the planet Tython. Now, for those of you who are hearing that name and going, I've never heard that before, it's because it's not shown up in any of the movies before, and it's not shown up in any of this TV series as far as I'm aware. The one place that Tython is currently mentioned is actually in the Marvel comic books, and it basically is only a brief side quest for a character by the name of Dr. Aphra, but it's an ancient Jedi temple, and they apparently have a seeing stone that if he reaches out on that seeing stone, another Jedi might show up. Well, I had a really good conversation with my friend Donovan over at Once Upon a Workbench this week and just kind of the delightfully geeky possibilities of who is going to respond once Baby Yoda reaches out in the Force if it's not going to be Ahsoka. And honestly, can we just talk for a minute? Was the backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka series too obvious? Like, I kind of felt like it might have been, and that's totally fine. Like, I mean, I'm all for if they continue putting stuff out into the quality that The Mandalorian has been, I am completely okay with Disney moving to more Star Wars series. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Ewan McGregor does coming back as Obi-Wan and kind of getting a prequel to Rogue One where we get to follow Cassian Andor and K2SO, which K2SO... Uh, Alan Tudyk as that character. Like, I honestly can't wait for more of that. But if, as long as they continue the quality that they've managed to pull off with The Mandalorian, I am completely okay with them going to more series-based Star Wars content. But in any case, Donovan and I had this conversation about if it's not going to be Ahsoka that trains the child, what Jedi will show up at the time when he reaches out assuming of course that he reaches out they could go a completely different direction i don't know at this point they've kind of caught me off guard on a couple different occasions so there's really some potential options out there some of them more obvious than others but the first and most obvious one is if you're going to drop a grand admiral thrawn reference then it stands to reason that the most 
simplified person to potentially show up and respond would be none other than Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels because we don't know what happened to Ezra. We may find out what happened to Ezra over the years once we get an Ahsoka series and if they follow Sabine and her on their quest to find them, which is where we left them at the end of Rebels, then I think Ezra is a distinct possibility for somebody who could show up at that point. It does feel like it's way too obvious, and I don't feel like Filoni and Favreau have been giving us a lot of really obvious things. I mean, when you think about it, Baby Yoda wasn't something that was on anybody's radar until he showed up in the first episode, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, how cute! And so dropping a Grand Admiral Thrawn reference in an episode where we'd been all primed and ready for Ahsoka. Like, there's been so many moments that they've managed to completely surprise us. And I think that's something very unique that they have been doing over the course of the series. But a lesser known but still fairly recent option would be Cal Kestis, who was the main character in the video game Jedi Falling Order. The reason that I think this is a possibility is because we know how much Disney loves interlocking their media properties with each other. When you think about The Mandalorian specifically, they brought in Cobb Vance from the books because he was in a series, uh, what was it, Chuck Wendig's Aftermath, which I will be completely honest with you. I only finished the first book in that series because I absolutely hated Wendig's writing style. Everything was in present tense in the first book, and it was possibly the most painful thing that I have ever read in my life. I'm not especially sad that he got taken off of Star Wars after blowing up some tweets. I don't remember exactly what happened, but regardless, like, I've not finished that trilogy. I've read all of the spoilers to it, so I know what happens in it. But Cop Vanth was introduced, actually, in the Aftermath trilogy. They brought in Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, who were both in Rebels and Clone Wars, they brought in the planet Tython from the comics, and they brought Boba Fett from the films. Really, the only thing that the show has not connected to at this point is the video games. And Dominic Monaghan, who—not Dominic Monaghan, oh— Cameron Monaghan. I don't know why I was thinking Dominic. Anyway, Cameron Monaghan, who was the voice actor who portrayed Cal Kestis in the video game, like his character was very much modeled after him as a human being. So it would not at all be a stretch to cast him in a live-action Star Wars role. And really all you would need to do is possibly age him because the events of Jedi Fallen Order, as I understand it, are actually set between the end of the Clone Wars and kind of the early Imperial era. So there's another option that Donovan threw out there that I think is a distinct possibility as well because of something else that's been dropped this season in The Mandalorian, and that is the potentially even lesser known for the average non-video gaming Star Wars fan, Kyle Katarn. He was the main character from the Dark Forces video games. Originally, his story is in Legends, and the basis of his story is he actually was the one who stole the Death Star plans. That obviously has changed now that Rogue One has come out, and we've got that story buttoned down. But originally, Kyle Katarn was actually the hero who stole the Death Star plans and then took off with them. And his video game franchise was actually what introduced the Dark Troopers, which is what we saw in Episode 4 with Moff Gideon overseeing the 
black suited robotic looking stormtroopers. So it's not a huge stretch with his face not having been seen in the universe before. It's definitely going to require more of an explanation as far as who he is and where he hails from. But it is something where from a timeline perspective, it's possible that in the five years between the end of the galactic civil war and the part of the series that we are currently in, that he could have become a Jedi Knight by that point. The history is in the second Dark Forces video game, he actually becomes a Jedi Knight, which he finds out his father was one before him, and he has to train on his way fighting Dark Jedi along the way. And it was that game was actually a lot of fun because it had full motion video cutscenes, but it was definitely like full motion video cutscenes in the way that you would have expected them around that time. It was still a really fun game, but it definitely is aged and dated and hard to play now. There is one other idea that came to me actually when we were rewatching Revenge of the Sith, and that is the fact that, let's be honest guys, Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu got chucked from a building in Coruscant, and we never see his dead, lifeless body. I'm not saying Disney would go full, we're bringing back Sam and kind of have him be the person who shows up, and maybe he's the one who was involved in making sure that Baby Yoda got hidden in the first place. But he definitely would have recognition. That's another thing I discussed with Donovan is, like, is this something where we might be thinking outside the box there or is that something where you know this is absolutely something disney would do samuel L. jackson is very much involved at disney i mean you think about the fact that he has been nick fury and he got the uh drop at the end of the was it endgame no it wasn't endgame whichever one it was where he was in the scroll ship like there's been enough going on in the Marvel universe that he's still hung around, but to bring back his character from star Wars, like he potentially might still be out there. And I know he's made comments about it at previous comic cons, things like that, but it was just very like one of those, huh? I didn't think about it. Like he, he's short a hand, but he probably could have gotten that replaced as any other Jedi who's lost a hand in combat can probably attest to. So, that is another possibility. I mean, you know, you've got your obvious Luke Skywalker is a Jedi out there, but the question is, is Luke going to be involved in this at all? I would not guess that he is going to be. So we'll just have to see. All right, we're going to take one more break here, and then we're going to come back and just discuss thankfulness. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. 
Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. All right, and we are back. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Dad DeLorean podcast. And I'm changing it up this week. Instead of asking what you've enjoyed this week, I want to know what you're thankful for. As you all know, we just got done with Thanksgiving. And this year for a lot of people, I think Thanksgiving was a lot different than it has been in years past. I know with everything going on in the world, a lot of people are taking a more socially distanced approach to things. There's a lot just going on right now. And so I want to know from your perspective, what you are thankful for this year, because for as bad as a lot of 2020 has been, there honestly are still things to be thankful for. For me personally, I would have to say that I am thankful for my wife and my boys and just the ability to have kind of our experiences together as a family This year with Thanksgiving, I actually wound up uh, having to change plans at the last minute and wound up going ahead and doing the turkey, which was something that I wasn't actually planning on taking a crack at turkey until we got to Christmas. And so that was definitely not something I was expecting, but it was something that I got to do. And really, I actually didn't do too bad on the turkey. I was worried I was going to give everybody food poisoning or I was going to screw something up on it. And... At the end of the day, the turkey turned out great. Now, granted, having a Traeger did make that a lot easier. The Traeger that I got, for those of you who don't follow me on my DIY account, The Hesitant Handyman, it is something where I actually got a Traeger for free. It was just beat up, rusted, and all of that. And I actually, over the summer, got the chance to restore it and have been using it like crazy. I've gone through my first three bags of pellets now, and for Thanksgiving, I actually used what I'd planned to use for Christmas, which was there's an orange brine and spice rub that Traeger makes that specifically goes for turkey, and they actually have turkey-specific pellets, and so I used that, and the turkey turned out fantastic. It was absolutely, like, For somebody who had never done it before, you would never know that I had never done it before, except maybe my sloppy carving job. So that was kind of the thing. But it was something where we had to pivot. We had to adjust our expectations for what our holiday was going to be this year. And I think we did okay with it. And at the end of the day, we got to spend time together as a family. We got to watch, you know, our Peanuts holiday specials and watch some more Star Wars. And so overall, it was just a really good week. And so that, for me, is what I am thankful for. I would like to hear from you as to what you are thankful for. Just anything. It doesn't even have to be, you know, your family or anything mushy like that. If you're thankful for new episodes of The Mandalorian, you're allowed to be thankful for that too. But I just want to hear what you're thankful for. So if you want to reach out to us by email, it's the Dad podcast at gmail.com if you want to find us on instagram it's at the dad delorean podcast facebook the dad delorean podcast or also the dad delorean.net and again from our website you can contact us there via voice you can send us a voice message via email if you want to do that as well whatever you want to do however you want to do it i would love to hear from you so 
That is all for today's episode. Thank you so much again for coming on out. We appreciate you tuning in every week. If you haven't had the chance to subscribe, please make sure you go ahead and subscribe. And if you can throw us a review, I'd appreciate that too. That's really what helps us to be more visible in the podcast space. So hope you have a great week. And as we all know, parenting is a complicated profession. Take care. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. When you have a busy afternoon but also have an appetite for adventurous new recipes... Try Blue Apron's heat and eat meals that offer quick and simple meals without sacrificing fresh and quality ingredients. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and wellness offerings. Get $130 off across your first six boxes. Plus, your first box ships free when you visit blueapron.com bluculinary. 